0: Good evening. It's wonderful to see everyone here. We want to thank you for being here with us uh, tonight. As Nathan said, th- th- there are, are many gone, but we we, we appreciate everyone be, being here with, with us tonight. As he said, if you're visiting with us, we want to thank you for being here tonight. We hope that you find yourself edified and benefited and blessed by being here tonight during, during the study of God's Word. And we want to thank everyone for, for, for being here, that your presence here, just being here, is edifying to everyone. That it's so wonderful for you to take the time and the opportunity to be here with us to worship God, to study God, to sing songs of praise unto God, and to pray unto God, and spend that time to focus in this midweek service. Uh, and I believe these midweek services are very good, not, not just for, for the studying that we've done, the chapter studies that we do beginning to see everybody, and you get that recharge. You get to see your brothers, and you get to see your, your sisters. You get to see those in Christ, and you kind of get that joy. You get that comfort, and it helps you go about the rest of your week till we get to Sunday, and then Wednesday, and Sunday, and Wednesday. And I think that's a wonderful time, and we appreciate you being here with us tonight. We are, we are continuing our study in the book of John, book of John chapter 13, I hope that so far through all these chapters, John chapter 1 through, through, through 12, it has encouraged you to study your Bible more, because that's one, one of the things I think is really important with these chapter studies, it's not that you get to spend some time here listening to me or Aaron for 30, 45 minutes about a chapter, but that maybe it provokes you to study more, that, that you may listen to us and hear the things that we bring out and makes you want to study more, and study more so we continue to gain that knowledge, because it, it's been said to me before that there are those of us that we are students of the Bible and we will be students of the Bible until we pass away from this life. Always more that we can gleam, always more that we can see and study. And I hope that, uh, that tonight we see and we study some things as well. If you recall from Ian's lesson last week that uh, he studied John chapter 12, but, but Ian also pointed out that we are now in the last week of Jesus' life on the earth that these, these, these last chapters are really kind of coming home here to the hour of his hour, to the hour that he has come here. We're getting closer and closer to the cross, and all these things are coming into play here in these last few, uh, few chapters. John chapter thirteen, there is there is a lot of stuff going on in John chapter thirteen. This is where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Many of you may recognize that immediately, and there's lots of things here. And hopefully the things that we study will make you think more and and, and, and provoke you to more study as well, as we'll look at these things in John chapter 13. If you recall last chapter, John chapter 12, as brother Ian told us, we went through the triumph and entry that Jesus has now come into Jerusalem. He's here in Jerusalem. That those were, 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 were screaming out Hosanna as he went in there riding on that donkey. That there are those that are plotting to kill Jesus. And not just Jesus, but, but Lazarus. Because Lazarus is proof of Jesus. And they want all these, and, and they want these men dead. But he's here in Jerusalem. And if you're not sure where Jerusalem is, I've got my map. If you are waiting for the map, here it is. I'm glad that you're excited about the map. We're in Jerusalem, and we're going to be in Jerusalem Pretty much from now on, as we get closer to the cross, there we're going to see some other places that we're going to highlight. But I want to make sure that the map was up and that we point out we're right here in Jerusalem. And I meant to use I meant to use the pointer. Let me go back. Jerusalem and I wish Ian was here to see this beautiful map because I I know how much he likes seeing it as well and I wish he was here to see this map but we are in Jerusalem this is the last times of Jesus Christ on this earth he's coming towards the cross and then we're going to talk about these things the, the last supper there as we study John chapter 13 here in Jerusalem John chapter 13, verse 1, the Bible says, Now before the feast of the Passover, so this is before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. What a wonderful verse to start a chapter. What a wonderful verse to start a day. I want to encourage you to read this verse in the morning. That Jesus, when he knew that his time was coming, one of the things that the Bible wanted to point out was that he loved those that were his on this earth and he loved them to the very end and he loves them still now just like he loves us and it says here that Jesus knows that his time is coming as we studied last week in John chapter 12 how he said what should I say should I let this hour pass but this is the hour that I'm here for Jesus is coming to the purpose of his being here on earth and it's so that he can depart and go back to the father but he points out love the Bible says he loved those that were his, which were in the world, and he loved them unto the end. This chapter is a chapter about love. It, it, it is a chapter about service, and, and, and we will study that. But that service is, is encircled, so to speak, in love. And this chapter starts with love and almost ends with love as well. So it's a very good point that Jesus had love for, for, for those, for every one of those that were his. His disciples, who will be apostles, Martha, Mary, Lazarus, all those that were his he loved them. He loved them unto the very end. And it says here in John chapter 13, verse 2, And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. I should have pointed out earlier, I'm, going to be, I'm reading from the King James Version. And it says there, And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot. If you have a, King, a new King James Version Bible, it's saying that, that the devil has already put this into Judas' heart. That this is already something that Jesus has been thinking about. That I want us to understand that it's not that supper was over and then Satan just zapped into Judas and Judas is a robot now and he's going to go off and betray him. This is something that Judas had been looking for an opportunity to do. That Judas, I'm going to say it point blank, was a wicked man and had wicked intentions when he was going to betray Jesus. This is something that he was thinking about. If you would turn with me to Luke chapter 22 verses 1 through 6 kind of clarify this so that we we understand this better, that it's not just a zap, so to speak, that Judas has been thinking about this for some time in his heart. Luke chapter 22, verse 1, the Bible says, verse 1 through 6, the Bible says, Now the feast of unleavened bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being one of the number of the twelve Verse 4, and he, went, and he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him unto them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. And he promised and sought an opportunity to betray him unto them in the absence of the multitude. So you'll see here that Judas goes to the Pharisees, he goes to the captains, and he's saying he's looking for an opportunity how he might betray him. And they were glad, and they said, we're going to give you money. And we're going to get to money and Judas in just a moment, later on in this chapter. But I, I want you to understand this, not just something that immediately happened to Judas. He has been seeking an opportunity to betray him. So this is something that has been dwelling on him for quite some time. And we're going to circle back to that later on in this chapter when we talk more about Judas. But continuing on in John chapter 13, verse 3. And the Bible here now says, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God where it says there that he has come from God and he went to God, that means he come from God and now he's going back to God. And it should re- remind you of, of Philippians chapter two where it says that he was with God and thought not Robert to be equal with God, but came as a servant, and I'm not quoting scriptures here, came down to earth, came as a servant, humbling himself and was obedient unto death, even the, the death of the cross, which is what we're getting to here now. So that's just basically saying that Jesus is come from God and now that time, that hour is where he is going to go back to God verse 4 here the Bible says he riseth from from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples feet and to and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded And when it says that he was girded what happens is that supper's over now Jesus has laid aside his garment and he's taken a towel and he's kind of wrapped the towel around himself and he's filling a basin of water, and he starts washing the disciples' feet. You know what Jesus is doing? Is he's showing humility? Jesus is humbling himself and doing a task that, in many ways, is a necessary task. These people had to wash their feet. That I'm not going to uh, get into. Feet are gross, and and all uh, all these things. We understand. We understand that. I don't need to mention that. I've got one kid that rubs my feet. The rest won't won't touch my feet. But it's not necessarily about that. It's about serving and but what he's doing is that he's 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 humbling himself he's not just helping them out he's not just doing something or passing out food or 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 preparing a meal he's washing their feet jesus is showing humility he's lowering himself and he's showing them an example that we're going to get to later on in this chapter but in first peter chapter five verse five the bible says likewise ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder yea all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility For God resisteth the proud and give his grace to to the humble. You think about washing somebody's feet. Are you too proud to wash somebody's feet? And it's not just washing feet. It's about serving people. And no matter what that capacity is, Jesus is saying that I'm willing to wrap a towel around myself. And I'm willing to perform this task that is lowly. It's a lowly task. He humbles himself. And he serves him. It's a great example for us that we should be clothed with that same humility. But, but he begins to wash the disciples' feet. And we're going to see him explain what he's doing here later on in this chapter. So continuing on in John chapter 13, verse 6, the Bible says, Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? <clears throat> see, Peter is wonderful. I'll explain why he's wonderful, because he's like me. He's like a regular man. If we were there in this this situation here, would we not say the same thing? Here's Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. Here's the master and the teacher who has raised people from the dead, who's had Peter and beckoned Peter to walk across water. And Peter's seen all these things. And Peter's the one that said, you had the words of eternal life saying that you are the Christ, the Son of God, and then that same Peter is watching his master come to wash his feet. And he just naturally says something that any of us would say, Are you gonna wash my feet? Verse 7 says, Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do that do thou, what I do thou knowest not now. But thou shalt know hereafter. He said, you may not get it, but you're gonna get it. And we see as we study the rest of the book of John that many times Peter fails, but Peter eventually repents and he gets it. Peter saith unto him in verse 8 Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. So Peter still saying, Just a natural human reaction, you're never going to wash my feet. I'll wash my own feet or anything. Don't, don't wash my feet. That is a lowly task. But Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you've got no part with me. And I don't think that this is necessarily talking about baptism, but just listen to the language there. Jesus said, if I don't wash thee, thou hast no part with me. And Peter uh, kind of flips a switch here. He said, oh, is that the case? Then Simon Peter saith unto him, in in verse 9, Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet, but also my hands and my head. He said, if that's the case, you wash every bit of me. Because Peter regardless of what he does in the future peter loves jesus christ peter loves his lord and savior jesus saith unto him he that is washed in verse 10 needeth not save to wash his feet but is clean every whit and ye are all clean but not also so what he's saying is that if you if you've washed if you're clean you don't need to wash your feet, and then you're clean. Because at that time, they walked around either barefoot or with sandals, and it was just a natural thing for the feet to be dirty. He's saying, if you're clean, all you need to do is wash your feet, and you're clean. He's saying, but not, not all. Verse 11, for he knew who should betray him. Therefore say he, ye are not all clean. So it's a little bit of the physical and the spiritual, kind of like Jesus has been doing through all these other chapters here. That now he's saying, but you're not all, all clean. And here's the thing, Jesus washed everybody's feet. Not a foot was missed. But he says here, not everyone is clean because Jesus knew who was going to betray him. That's why he said, you're not all clean. So Peter says, wash me. And Jesus said, I just need to wash your feet so you have me, you have that part of me. He said, but not all of you guys, all of you here are clean. You know Brother Ian in his la- in his study last week said, you know Judas was very good at hiding the wickedness and the darkness from from his from his fellow servants there from, uh, from his fellow brethren there, except for Jesus. Jesus always knew Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him and Jesus washed Judas's feet so just keep that in mind as we go about our lives trying to do good and to serve people, but it said, you are not all clean John chapter 13 Verse 12, the Bible says, So after, <clears throat> excuse me, so after he had washed their feet, he had taken his garment so he said, He said, the towel, he's put his clothes back on now, and was set down again, and he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Because it's not just about washing feet. That was a great example that he used. Jesus here in verse 13, Ye call me master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet so he said you call me master and you call me lord and, and that word word master there means teacher he said rightly so that's what I am and he says so if I'm willing to lower myself and humble myself in a, in a manner to wash your feet you also ought to wash each other's feet and that's that service that we should have for e- e- each other And it's a wonderful lesson for us today for our brothers and sisters here in this room and all around, that those that need that service, there's no service that is too great. That we should not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, but we should esteem ourselves and be lower and be humble like Jesus Christ is doing here. He's saying, if I'm your master and your Lord and I'm willing to do that, then you guys should do the same. First, verse 15, and the Bible says, For I give you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. And he's encouraging to do them. He says, happy are those who do them do these things. He's saying, I've given you an example, and not just washing feet, and it's an example for us that you serve each other. That if I'm willing to serve you, is what Jesus is saying, that you should be willing to serve each other and have that bond there saying the servant is not greater than his Lord. And we see that same teaching in Matthew chapter 10. You know, Matthew chapter 10, verse 24, the Bible says, the disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. I mean, that is our example. We should follow in the footsteps of Jesus, right? That he is our Lord and Savior, and he is our model that we should model our lives after. And, and he's saying, it is, it is enough for the disciple to be like his master. And it's very thought-provoking. Uh, uh, if we are disciples of Jesus, if we are disciples of the master, do we do that? Do we do that example? Are we willing to lay aside our own interests and look upon the interests of others? You know, in, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, the same concept is taught. Paul is saying the same thing here in Philippians chapter 2. Verses 1 through 4, where the Bible says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. That's the example that Jesus Christ is giving here right now in this chapter that we're studying he is esteeming those needs better than his own he's humbling himself and he's serving them that we should do the same that we should have that lowliness of mind and be clothed with that humility and have somebody else's interests be greater than our own if you recall i've gone through some attitude adjustments which i'm done but I've had in one of those where we're talking about how we should treat each other. And that attitude that we should have, that love for each other, is putting someone else's interests and their needs above our own. And that's what, what, what Jesus is trying to give that example here. It's a wonderful example for us as well. And we should strive to do that, that we should strive to be the disciples that look like the master. John chapter 13, verses 18 now. I, uh, verse 18 says, I speak not of you all, I know whom I have chosen. But that the scripture may be fulfilled, he that eateth bread w- with me hath lifted up his heel against me. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that verse there, verse eighteen, where where where, where he he's saying there not not all of you, because the one that eateth with me lifted up his heel against me. That's talking about Judas, who, who's who, who's 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 going to betray him here in just a few verses. Verse nineteen, though. Now I tell you before it come that. When it is come to pass, that ye may believe that I am he. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me. And he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. And this is the same message that Jesus has been saying. He's saying, if you are my my disciples and you do the things that I'm doing, that's what God wants. God has sent me and God will receive you. And it says there that I tell you all these things before that when it's come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Who's he? That's Jesus, that you may believe that he is the Son of God. Well, don't they already believe that? Not, they, they don't understand everything, just like Ian talked about last chapter where he says, I'm about to be glorified, and God is going to be glorified. They didn't quite understand what that meant. Here he's saying that, but once this time comes, and once they see the resurrected Lord, they will believe and know that he is the Son of God. <clears throat> Verse 21, so he's saying all these things. We're we're kind of shifting gears now. He's washed the the disciples' feet. He's given them that example of humility, how we should treat each other, how they should treat each other. And the other thing that's very important is I think Jesus is also saying that to stress that he's about to be gone. He's about to leave them. And these men, they're going to be by themselves, and they're going to need each other. They're going to need to help each other and serve each other. So now that's over, and now we're switching gears here in, in verse 21. When Jesus had thus said all those things, When he had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. So it's almost like he's giving these examples. He's telling these things. He's telling about those, the one that's going to dip that bread and lift his heel, and all these things. And it's almost like he's troubled, and he's just going to say plainly, just like he did with Lazarus, where he was saying Lazarus is sleeping, and they're like, oh, if Lazarus sleeps, he's going to get better. And Jesus eventually has to be like, he's dead, and we're going to go see Lazarus. It's almost like it's a similar thing here. He's troubled the spirit. And he tells them very plainly that one of you is going to betray me. And like Ian pointed out last week, they didn't immediately point to Judas. They weren't like, oh, it's going to be Judas because that guy's just terrible. They didn't know. As a matter of fact, it says they're doubting whom he spake. Some of them may have thought it could have been them. Do you have doubts sometimes? We all have doubts. We all have things that, that we think about. But the disciples looked to one another, doubting of whom he spake. So Jesus says it very plainly: One of you guys is going to betray me. And now their eyes are wide open. And just imagine that the Lord and Savior looks at all these people, and says, "One of you guys is going to betray me," and then maybe Jesus goes right back to eating. That's just got to be crazy. There's got to be all kinds of things going through these men's mind. Now there was now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved, Simon Peter. Therefore, beckoning to him that he should ask him who it should be, who it should be of whom he spake. He then laying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, who is it? And we've established early in this chapter that the one that is leaning on Jesus' breast, that's John. That's, that's who wrote this book that we're studying now. It's, it's John who's leaning on Jesus' breast. And Peter, once again, Peter just, I mean, would you not want to know? Would, would you not be like, hey, John, ask him who it is because it's driving me crazy. I've got to know. Tell me who, who it is. And I, I can see that in my mind. I've got a picture anyways. So Peter's like, John, ask him. i got to know. So John asked Jesus quite plainly, who is it? Who's the one that is going to betray you? And Jesus answered, he it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now, a sop is just a piece of bread. He's like, I'm going to dip a piece of bread, and I'm going to give it to someone who I give it to. That's the guy that, that, that's going to betray me. And after, verse 27, and after the sop of that piece of bread, Satan entered into him, then Jesus said unto him, that, that thou doest, do, do quickly. So he's, he's basically saying, I'm going to show you, it's Judas. And he says, whatever you're going to do, Jesus, do it quickly. Or, or whatever you're going to do, Judas, do it quickly. Because Jesus knows what's coming. And I don't think Jesus is excited about it. it, it it's upsetting. But these things need to happen. This is the hour in which he's come. So we, so they know that it is Judas. But the disciples, they still don't understand. They don't, get it, they don't get it 100% yet. In John chapter 13, verse 20, the Bible says, Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. For some of them thought, because Judas had the bag, that's the money bag, that Jesus had said unto him, Buy those things which we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. He then, having received the saw for that piece of bread, went immediately out, and it was night. It's always night. It's always dark when evil things start to happen. It's time to to betray Jesus. Guess what? It's nighttime. But these guys at this table here, they didn't quite understand what that meant. They didn't think that as soon as Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me, they were like, oh, somebody's going to betray Jesus and betray him to these people, and they're going to take Jesus and kill him. That didn't cross their mind. This is the guy who raises people from the dead. Nobody's going to kill him. So they they were thinking maybe it's because he had the bag or maybe because they need to give something to the poor. They weren't sure exactly what betray meant and they weren't sure what was going on with Judas. But remember what we talked about or what Ian talked about last week in John chapter 12 where it plainly says that Judas was a thief. He was taking and dipping his hands in that money bag or that money box and filling his pockets. He had a money problem. I mean, he had a money problem. I don't know if it's greed or, 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 he, or he coveted that money, but like we looked in Luke chapter 22 where it says, we'll pay you if you betray Jesus. Says, that sounds pretty good. I need the money. What was going on in Judas's life that he constantly needed to grab in the money bag and betray Jesus Christ and his friends for money? You know, the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some covet after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. That's Judas. That describes him in First Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, that he loved that money and it had coveted that money. And guess what? It pierced him through with many sorrows, as we're going to study on later, as we get through the book of John, that that money can be corruptive if you covet it after it. Here's another thing that I want us to think about, about Judas Iscariot. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, the Bible says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. You know, when I read about Judas sometimes, I see an evil, wicked, wicked man. And I think that that evil and wickedness is beyond me, that I can't get to the point where I would betray Jesus. And I want us to make sure that we don't think that way, that that evilness, that spot that Judas was in is not out of any of ours' reach. We don't need to reach for that, but it's not like he had a certain circumstances that none of us could fall into, that he was a wicked, evil man, but we could go down that same path, down that same road, and be in the same boat as him. And I want us to make sure that we understand that Judas is not some great, great, evil, evil person, that we all have that temptation, and we all can fall into that same snare and that trap that Judas was. So just keep that in mind, that The devil is seeking those whom he may devour. He had Judas. There was some opening there, and the roaring lion went right in. And we must guard our hearts as well, that we are the disciples that are following and mirroring the master. John chapter 13, verse 31. Here the Bible says, Therefore, when he was gone out, Judas is gone. Now Jesus said, Now was the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself, and shall straightway glorify him. So he's saying that now is the time come. He said the Son of Man is about to be glorified and God is about to be glorified. And that's done on the cross because through that cross and through that death, we have a hope of salvation because of what Jesus Christ is about to go do as we're studying here. He said God is about to be glorified. It's about to happen. And then he said, little children, get a little while I am with you. Ye shall seek me. And as I said unto the Jews, whether I go, ye cannot come. So now I say to you, he said, I'm saying it again, where I'm going, you cannot follow. As a matter of fact, when they approached Peter about it, he he denies and runs. He said, this is not something you guys are going to do with me. This is something for me to do. But what's really important here is he says, little children. I mean, it's almost like little children. I'm only going to be here for just a little bit longer, just a tiny bit. And think about what you might say to your children. Say you're going to die tomorrow. What's one thing that you want to talk about with your children? He says this one more thing here in verse 34, because he's about to go away. He says, a new commandment I give you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. He says love. Is that what we would say to our children? It's like, I'm about to go. I'm never going to be with you again on this earth. Love. Love, love, love be with those that love you and make sure that you have that love. And it says a new commandment. Was love new? No, we can go back to the Old Testament and look at all, all those things. Love is not new, but Jesus loved to a higher degree, so to speak. He says, I love you guys so much, I'm washing your feet. And if you have love for your brethren, if you have love for your brothers and sisters, you're gonna serve them and wash their feet. See, that's that That's that complete circle there. That if we have that love, we have that kindness, that that love towards one another, we're going to serve each other. So he said that new commandment is love, but love like I have loved you. Love each other like Jesus has loved him and like Jesus has loved you. Because he said, I'm just a little bit, guys. Serve each other. Be there for each other and love each other like I have loved you. I am the example. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. <clears throat> 1 John chapter 4, <clears throat> beginning of verse 7. John, John's still writing here. John writing in First John now. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. And the Bible says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifest the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Therein is the love Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to, to be the uh, uh, propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we are also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. And that's what God wants for us is that love. You say he sent his son, he sent love. And love was crucified on the cross, that we should have that same love one for another. For God is love. Closing out our chapter here now John chapter 13, verse 36, Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whether thou goest. I mean, Peter, sometimes I'm really happy that Peter opens his mouth, because now teaching begins, because he says stuff that probably some of us, uh, uh, us would say, Lord, where are you going? Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whether thou goest, Jesus answered him, whether I go, thou cannot follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterward. Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Jesus answered him, will thou lay down thy life for for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. And I'm not going to preach on that too much because it's going to come later. But that's got to be a little bit of a hit towards Peter there. Because he said, really? You would do that, Peter? He said, I'm going to tell you, Peter, you're going to deny me. Because, like I said, you cannot do this thing. You cannot go where I am going. But Peter, he's got love. That's his Lord, that's his master, that is his teacher saying, I will lay down my life for you. But when it happened there, when we study that later, Peter d- does not. But he's saying some similar things. He's saying and we're going to study that later on. In another chapter. In closing, I would like us to read First Peter chapter two, verse twenty-one. First Peter chapter two, verses twenty-one through twenty-four. As we close out our study of John chapter thirteen, the Bible here says, "For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps, who did no sin, and neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again; and when he suffered, he threatened not." But committed himself to him that judges righteously, who, his own self, bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live under righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. These verses we're gonna start studying as we continue on. That we just talked about that example that Jesus Christ gave of servitude of love, and he's about to give that example more 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 as he goes. That Jesus, by his stripes, we are healed, that he is the ultimate and the great example that he bore our sins on that tree and we must never forget that example that we should strive to be, as I said earlier, those disciples that mirror and are like the master. If you are not a child of God, if you have not been baptized in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if you have not been baptized and had your sins washed away, that's what Jesus was here for. That's his hour. That's what we're studying now. Jesus has going to the cross to be crucified for you so that you had that opportunity to be covered in his blood, so that you had the opportunity to have a home in heaven. That, that's why those stripes are for. That's why Jesus was beat. That's why Jesus was spat upon us. We're going to study more. For the joy that was set before him, he endured that cross so that we, those that believe on him, would have that home in heaven. If you have not done that yet, we would encourage you to do so tonight. We have water behind me here. We are ready and prepared to assist you in that need. If there is some other need or if we can help you with anything else, we are here to serve you, we are here to help you, and we love you. If there's anything that we need to do for you, we'd ask that you please come sit on the front row and make your wishes known as we stand and we sing.